congregation, the main text for this service is from Acts 2, verse 39. Acts 2, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as, as the Lord our God shall call. So far, God revealing himself in baptism. Three thoughts. He is a family God. Secondly, an encouraging God. And in the third place, a sanctifying God. God revealing himself in baptism, a family God, an encouraging God, and a sanctifying God. Congregation, you may wonder what happened to me, but I mean it and believe what I'm going to say. I believe in adult baptism. So you know, I don't only agree with infant baptism, I strongly believe in adult baptism. And I hope that many more will be baptized, adults, that they may begin to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and consequently also be baptized. We do this all the time in Bolivia. We baptize adults. And I wish he could baptize more adults that you could reach out into the community and that people from the street and the homeless people, and you, you name it, with no church background at all, no baptized, may come to church and believe in the Lord and be baptized with the one that will be, another 10, 20. I strongly believe in adult baptism. So when people tell you yeah, you people believe in infant baptism, right? But the Bible speaks all the time about adult baptism. How do you explain that? We say, well, that's simple. In Reformed churches, we strongly believe in adult baptism as well. We have also hope that many more will be baptized. But it's true the Lord is also a family God. So we read of people being baptized and their house. And their house. Do you know those texts, right? And some say quickly, oh, we know house. House means servants. House means the people also are in the house, in, in, in those quarters. I don't know where you get it from. I admit sometimes they were very close to the family, the servants. But why excluding the babies and the children when it says, and his whole house? His whole house. Where do people get the courage from to exclude babies, to exclude children? When it says the whole house.
You know about Noah, right? Noah and his people went in the ark, right? So what does the Bible say about that? By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So Noah's house were his children and their wives, the eight people. This is his house. What about the house of Lot? Was delivered from Sodom, right? This is his house. Joshua expressed his desire to serve the Lord with his house. And it's also remarkable what the Lord Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to his house. For so much as the, he, he, he's also a son of Abraham. We often think very individualistically. I remember there was a time that I was in Iran, Jaya, Indonesia. And a lady came up to me, one of the indigenous people, with a bow and arrows. She said, my father passed away, and I still have his bow and his arrows, and I donate them to you. You may, you may, you may take them home. So I was very happy with that. They're still in my, in my office. But I, I, I proposed to also do a competition with, our, with, with the bow and with the arrows. So I shoot an arrow into a banana tree. And then someone else had to also do it, so we are competing. And the people were so uneasy. And they laughed, and something was going on. So I said, what, what's going on? And this, this is the first time ever that they see a competition. We don't do that. We never compete. When we play a game, there's no winner, no loser. It's absolutely foreign to that culture. So they, they think in, 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 in the group. And when one of those communities were reached with the gospel, and then they were ready to be baptized, the chief was baptized, and his wife, and his children, and the whole village. They had a feeling kind of, we belong to each other. We are a family. We are a generation. We are uh, united around the chief. And something of that was also true, not exactly the same, in Israel. The feeling of we are a family. And the Holy Spirit also worked that way. And the Holy Spirit worked in, in generations, in families. So when it says he was baptized and his whole house, please don't exclude the babies. Don't exclude the young people. 12, 13, 16, 18 years old. 
the Holy Spirit was working, and the Holy Spirit gave impressions of the truth, and then they were baptized. Some argue that they don't agree with this and say, you know, we don't see a command to uh, baptize children. You will think you need a com- to see a command somewhere, right? Also baptize children, say the Lord. There's nothing in the Bible. I know. But it also does not say, let women be baptized. I don't see it either. You would say, yeah, but that's obvious, right? Is it obvious? In the Old Testament, the boys are circumcised? Don't you expect that in the New Testament that would say, the ladies also need to be baptized? You say, no, but there are examples of that, of ladies being baptized. That's right. Lydia and others. There are also examples of children being baptized. Because it says their whole house. And we all try to be as close to the Bible as possible. Be careful. When people say you in the Reformed Church, you're not close enough to the Bible. Well, we see the word house there. So we leave it there, with the house, the family. Also, as you know, the person who qualified to be an elder, pastor, had to rule his House, well, also keeping his children in obedience. There are many texts, just, just look it up in, in the concordance. It word house. So often, house means for sure family. And maybe there might, may, may also have been servants added to that. But the Lord is a family God. He said to Abram already, and in thy seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. A family God. Secondly, an encouraging God. When you think about text, for the promise is unto you and to your children, one of the most important words in that text is the first word. For. For. You need to understand the flow of the context. Now, when they heard this, the pricked in the heart, then Peter said, be baptized for the promises unto you. And with many other words, and then they are baptized. 
So it begins with now, then, for, and then. See the flow? So let us try to understand that flow. Why he says for? What is the sense of that verse 39 in the context? It's on the day of Pentecost, right? And the people have seen all those cloven tongues and they've heard that noise of the mighty wind and they've heard the sound of the apostle Peter and many are pricked in their hearts and they say, Amen, brethren, what shall we do? They're slain. They felt so guilty. They had killed their own Savior. And they were just, they're broken. Now, when they heard this, they prayed in their hearts and they said, Men, brethren, shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. So that means believe and be baptized. And you shall receive the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall be saved. The Holy Ghost will be given to you. The Holy Spirit will come into your heart. Repent ye and believe. But you know, imagine that you have that feeling, I have killed the Savior I've crucified the Lord Jesus. If that is fresh on your mind, and then people say, repent and believe, you say, really? Can I really be saved? I just can hardly believe it. What I did was so bad. So that's why the apostle said, four. So, repent, be baptized for the remission of sins. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. You know why? For the promises in there. And your children. And all that are far off. The last part, the third line, it, that is added to the third line, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the apostle Peter is encouraging the congregation, encouraging the Jews, and says, you know, although you have sinned so grossly and so severely, there is salvation. Because the good promise is coming unto you. The gospel is promised. The gospel promise is coming to you. Salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to you. It's coming to you. To all of you or only to the elect? How can that possibly be said? How could the apostle say the, 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 the salvation, to repent and believe the salvation for the elect? For them, they're called. Doesn't make any sense. So, in the context of encouraging, we have to read this verse as
although the, the, richest, the richest preaching of the gospel, called the promise, came to God's chosen people, the Jews, Peter was addressing, and it came to their children as well, and even to the Gentiles. But of course, not to all the Gentiles, but only to them that heard the same promise. So in Baptist circles, they say the promise is only to the elect. The promise is only to them that have been called. Because Baptists believe that the congregation is God's people. Only. The saved ones only. And if you're not saved and not baptized, you are no member. You're nothing. So why would you baptize them? They don't even belong to the Lord. They are blessed in a way. They say they're blessed with the Bible, blessed with a, with a certain Christian education, but they do not belong to the church. Well, we strongly disagree with that. And we say the promise is unto you, the, gentle, the, the, the Jewish people, and the children, and all that are far off, of course, as many as the Lord God shall call by the preaching of the word, so that they are added also to the church. You see my point? If the last line, as many as the Lord our God shall call, refers to also you and the children, that there is no encouraging there, no comfort in there. But what if I would say, repent, congregation, and believe, for the gospel comes to you, at least to them that are chosen. You would say, well, what would you say for them? I don't know if I'm chosen. I don't know if I belong to them they're called. Right. So the promise of the gospel in the preaching, the promise of the Holy Ghost comes to all those Jews and to all the children and only to the called Gentiles. But it is something else. As many as the Lord our God shall call. I looked it up. But call. A different verse in the Bible for to call. He says proskaleo in Greek. Proskaleo never means chosen. Proskaleo never means that. There's another word for that. Because we believe in election, right? I strongly believe in the election. The Lord calls people out of the darkness. And that if the Lord does not call with the irresistible call, they will not be saved. I strongly believe in that. But that's not in our text. The call in our text is 
the invitation. The Lord Jesus called people to follow him. Literally, not spiritually. There's not, there's, there's not a spiritual, irresistible call. This is the promises unto the, to the Gentiles, as many as shall be reached by the gospel. So again, we believe in an outer covenant in the Old Testament and an inner covenant in the Old Testament. And Baptists believe it also, right? In the Old Testament. In the Old Testament you had a covenant with the whole people of Israel, but not all were saved. We agree on that. But now we're talking about the New Testament. And now some say in the New Testament things have changed dramatically. In the New Testament, the church is only the elect, only the saved ones. We say, no, it is the same. Like in the Old Testament, so it is in the New Testament. Because this text says that the promise is unto you and the children. And that does not mean they are saved. For the promises unto you, and with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then they did gladly receive this word and baptize. So the glad receiving, so the Apostle Paul, Peter, encouraged them by saying, You are covenant people. So repent, you repent, you as the Lord means. Well, you're covenant people. And the promise is unto you and to, to, to your children. And all afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. We believe that there is an outward sanctification, an outward belonging to the gospel. Let me show you. Hebrews 10, verse 29, of how much more, much sore punishment, most serious punishment, shall he be thought worthy who has trodden under foot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the spirit of grace. So there are people who are sanctified by the blood of the covenant and not saved. It's the Bible. Or think of 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the, by the husband, else were your children unclean. 
but now are they holy. In the New Testament, the children are holy. Of believing parents, holy. Some overvalue that, right? They say, when you're baptized, you're saved. No, 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 we don't say that. But we should not undervalue it either. Sanctified means that you belong in a way to the Lord. The Jews, the Apostle Peter spoke, they were pricked in their hearts, and they must have wondered if they could be saved. And the answer was yes. Because the promise is in there. That is not the unconditional promise of salvation for the elect. The promise here is the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. Otherwise, our forefathers would not have used this text in the form for baptism. But they used that text in the form for baptism to show that this is about the gospel that comes to all. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort? So the apostle Peter was testifying, was exhorting, exhorting to repent, to believe, those that preached in the heart. He didn't say, oh, you preached in the heart. That's good. You're already on the road. You're converted. He didn't say that. It does not say that 3,000 were pricked in the heart. It doesn't say that. It says many were pricked in the heart. And to all the pricked in the hearts, the preaching came. And the exhortation came. And the repentance came. And to be, you need to be baptized, came to them. And the apostle was wrestling with us. He said, you really need to have for the promise unto you. And with many other words, he exhorted them. And then they that gladly received the word are baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. It's essential not to say that 3,000 were pricked in the heart. More than that. Or at least that's not enough. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the ones receiving this with gladness were like the eunuch. And then they're baptized. Right? So they're baptized. And their whole house. Brings you to the third thought. The God who sanctifies. Let me use an example, a weak example of what it means to be sanctified. Did, did you see that in the form this morning? We asked the parents, 
if they believe that the child was sanctified in Christ, did they realize that? We did. He said, is your child sanctified in Christ? And therefore, as a member of the church, wow, ought to be baptized. Did we say that? We said that. And the parents said, yes. They said, yes, I believe that my child is sanctified in Christ. Did the parents say that the child was saved? No. They said the child is sanctified in Christ. And the, and the parents agreed that the child is a member of the church before baptism. And as a member of the church, ought to be baptized. So they're sanctified before they're baptized. Let me give an example of that sanctification. I have, in the course of time, married many people in church, right? Many of them. I didn't count. I never had it that a couple said, we don't exchange rings, Pastor. Never had that. They all did. Why? Why, why do they exchange rings? Well, that's, that's our culture, right? So does that add anything to the marriage? If someone would say, Reverend, I, do, I, just, I just refuse to give rings, I think that's just nonsense. Would I say to them, oh, then I don't baptize you? Then I don't marry you? I would still do that. Because it's not mandatory to exchange rings. And yet, it is important to people, right? It's important that people wear a ring. It's the message. The message, I, I, I married. And I remind myself of that. And I remind you of that. So the ring is meaningful, but not essential. And so baptism is meaningful, but not essential. It's meaningful, absolutely. But it is not so that salvation depends upon it or something. Yet it is an important thing. I read in Ezekiel 16, Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. They sacrificed babies to the Moloch idol. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter? That thou hast slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire. There's also a text quoted in the form. My children. In the Old Testament, all the children were my children, say the Lord. And did you take my children? And you sacrifice them to the idols? They're my children. Do you know what you did? You took my children. 
It is the same also in the New Testament. That's why the children are called holy. The Lord says, my children, the babies that were baptized this morning, were God's children. Not saved, per se, but earmarked, set apart, and just received a special place in the church. And that's what you can say to children, young people. Were you baptized? You know what that means? It means that in a not saving way, you belong to the Lord. In a non saving way, you belong to the congregation. So that doesn't only mean that you have privileges. You know, all churches say that. All churches say that children are special and special to the Lord and the Lord gives them also the Bible and the Christian education and some dedicated. But they don't go so far. They say they're my children. They are members of the church. They don't say that. And that is dear to us. It's dear to us that we can say to the children, you are baptized because you are a member and you are sanctified in Christ. You are holy and set apart. Quite something. But maybe you say, well, that's the Old Testament. But do you know for sure that in the New Testament the covenant is kind of the same then? Is that not completely different, vastly different. It's not so in the Old Testament. The covenant is with Abraham and about the, the land and what they inherit and the birth of the Lord Jesus. And, and in the New Testament, it's completely different. No, that is closer than you think. Of course, it's different. We don't circumcise. We only use water. We don't say the same. The old covenant and the new covenant are not the same. But the heart of it is the salvation of sinners through the blood of Christ. Let me show you a text that shows you that it is parallel. Colossians 2. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sin by the flesh of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Got so far? So circumcised without hands and putting off the body of sins by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him, it continues, in baptism. 
so as I read this, by the circumcision of Christ, that means being buried with him in baptism. That's the explanation of it. So being circumcised and being baptized is parallel. They're both the signs of, in, 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 in essence, the same covenant. Practically, children, young people, the emphasis is not on your choice so that you can receive adult baptism. The emphasis on this. The Lord has chosen you already. Not to salvation per se, but he has chosen you. He has separated you. He said, you belong to me. He said, don't go anywhere else. You belong to me. Seek me and live. Now, does the Lord did not say to Gentiles? Yes, but not in the same way. Not with such an emphasis. No, with such wording that you're sanctified in Christ. You know, if someone has a foster child and they come to me, Pastor, can we have the foster child baptized? I say, no, we can't. Why not? Well, this child is under your care for a while. But it's not your child. It's not a covenant child. It's not a child belonging to the Lord's family yet. So we cannot do that. We baptize adopted children, yes. Because adoption is irreversible. And adoption means that the child comes under those the, the families. Like Abraham circumcised also then they borrowed money. So it's irreversible, yes. So young people, you belong to the Lord. And I don't know what you're doing and reading and watching and going. But wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you watch, Keep in mind, you belong to the Lord. He has put a sticker on you. He has said, I'm going to pay special attention to the person. And the child, in a way, already belongs to me. I, I, the, the, the child is sanctified even in Christ. Because people can trod underfoot the blood of Jesus by whom they are sanctified. Belong to the Lord. In Baptist theology, 
the blessing of the church is underestimated. To them, only the converts belong to the church. They have no e-mark. They are in no way God's covenant people. We strongly disagree. Because the Lord's promise is unto you. All of you. I'm not connecting this with as many as the Lord of God shall call. No, no, no. The promise is unto you. And the promise is unto your children. To all of them. Not saving. And the promise is unto them that are far off. Read the margin of the Dutch translation. You see the same thing. Congregation, the Lord is encouraging. The Lord is saying you have no hope when you look at self, when you look at the circumstances, when you look at the, at the heart. There's no hope for yourself, there's no hope for your children. But the Lord yet says, Repent ye, repent ye. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Four. So I would like you to meditate on the word four this day. And try to find the meaning of the word four. Why does he say four? Why does he say because? In Greek, gar. Why, why the word you gar? Why the word four? To me, that answers it. Congregation, we, we, we want to be biblical. And that's why we strongly believe in infant baptism. Amen.